Hello, and welcome to Superhuman Women. This is your monthly installment of insight and thought-provoking conversation from Superhuman, the strategic marketing agency that helps brands to connect with women. This month, we're talking all about female empowerment and, in particular, the role that advertisers, brands and businesses can play in making a difference while also connecting with their customers and consumers. With International Women's Day having just passed and Women's History Month in full swing, we've seen a raft of brands throw their hat into the ring with varying levels of success from Johnny Walker to Uber. But the bigger question is, should they get involved? And more importantly, how and where should they do it? Today, we're speaking to Tiffany Dark, who is editor-in-chief of A&E Networks. She's had some first-hand experience in engaging her audiences while positively contributing to the female empowerment agenda. More broadly, Tiffany has played a pivotal role in shaping cultural conversations from both an editorial and a brand perspective for the last two decades. Her illustrious career has spanned both sides of the Atlantic. Firstly, at News UK, where she was editor of Sunday Times Style magazine and more recently lead creative content for their brand division. And now on the other side of the Atlantic in her editor-in-chief role. In celebration of Women's History Month, Tiffany has been at the helm of a groundbreaking new content series called His Story, Her Story. It's described as a series that showcases the narratives of women whose impact in society is often overlooked. It's running throughout the month. Tiff, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to start off by telling me a little bit about History, Her Story? Yes, so this was a campaign that we launched at ANE Networks to time with Women's History Month. Um, And it was really based on the observation that We know relatively little about women's history when you compare it to how much we know about men's history. And I was talking to a friend and he was telling me that he goes and does kind of um, lectures in college campuses and um, he asks fraternities to name women from history and they very rarely get past the kind of fourth or fifth name that people struggle to name more than five women from history. So we kind of tested this out and went and did some box pops on the street. And sure enough, you get Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, Harriet Tubman, Florence Nightingale. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems that, you know, with the History Channel and with the Lifetime Channel, Lifetime specializes in women's content and history obviously is a, a huge international history media brand we had an opportunity to kind of go about correcting this to some extent. So History, Her Story was all about getting influential people and celebrities to nominate their women from history that they wanted the world to know about or know more about. Um, And then we filmed them talking about those women and we distributed that video on all of our platforms for all of our channels, which is great because that is the first time that A&E has come together as an entire network for a campaign. So that is running now during March, uh, we're about halfway through and it's going gangbusters. Well, that's amazing. I was watching the stories, actually. They're so inspirational. Did When the, um, the different celebrities were choosing them, did they struggle or did they immediately know, yeah, I just know who I want to talk about? Well, actually, that was a kind of a good ask because as soon as they were asked to kind of name the people who inspired them, they became really passionate about yeah. it because, you know, it, there's, a, there's a sort of wealth of content there that you can draw on. And quite often um, the women that we asked to do this, they, you know, they had very personal reasons for choosing some of the um, historical figures. Mm-hmm. Which story has resonated with you the most so far? The one I love the most is Bernice King's, actually. So she 
is the daughter of Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And this year is a big year for her and the King Foundation uh, because it's the 50th anniversary of his assassination at the beginning of April. Um, now, the King Foundation was set up uh, by her mother after his death, and it does a lot of extraordinary work around kind of bringing people together and um, promoting peace and promoting harmony, uh, which is something that obviously is in more need now than perhaps ever. Yeah. Um, so I went to her at the end of last year and said, we obviously want to commemorate your father's uh, anniversary next year. What story would you like to be told? And I expected her to say something about her father. And she straight out the bat said, actually, I want to tell the story of my mother. My mother is never recognized for what she achieved, but she, she was actually the first one to become you know, an activist within the civil rights movement. Wow. She was also the one to um, use the inspiration of Gandhi in India, who obviously brought about his massive change through peaceful process, uh, peaceful protest rather. Um, and then, you know, she was a woman who during the 60s was managing motherhood with four children and supporting her husband uh, doing everything that he was doing, um, which was pretty revolutionary at that time. Um, and then she was the one that set up the King Foundation literally within months of his assassination, changed his legacy from, at the time, he was the most hated man in America to, you know, what the figure that he is today, which is, you know, some would say the architect of the 21st century. So I thought that was really inspiring because you never hear about Coretta Scott King. You only hear about Martin Luther King. And in many ways, what she's done has been more impactful because she's allowed his legacy to live on much longer than the moment when he was actually alive and able to affect change. Wow, she sounds amazing. It's almost a rich thread in itself, isn't it? The, yeah. you know, the story of the, the women who have driven the legacies of their partners um, and their husbands, isn't it? I mean, it's such a rich um, thread. Yeah. Kristen Davis, actually, she was another interesting one. So she was, you know, very upfront about the fact that Sex and the City had given her this huge fan base and audience which you know she was you know she's very happy to own and be grateful for but she she said you know that allows her to go and do the things which she really wants to do which is you know support causes that she believes in um, and she works for the United Nations Refugee Council um, and she also supports a conservation um, organization in Kenya so when we asked her who she would nominate, um, she wanted to do Malala because Malala is obviously a refugee um, mm. and she's been working, you know, to, to, to shine a light on a lot of the issues uh, in Pakistan with Taliban and um, Kristen herself had visited uh, refugee camps in Pakistan quite frequently. Um, and then she also nominated Jane Goodall, who is the woman who did all of the studies around chimpanzees yeah. and um, and she was a, she's a very interesting story actually because she her radical approach to the, the study was to go and live with the chimpanzees in the jungle at the time which she was laughed at um, everyone thought this was crazy but in fact her observations and what she discovered and her scientific reports changed how we thought about chimpanzee behavior and she ended up being a very kind of prominent um, woman in that science um, and overturning many preconceived notions about how research and study should be done. Yeah, yeah. God, that's so fantastic. Um, how's it all been received? So what sort of reaction have you had? 
Well, over here, and I'm sure it is in the UK as well, but it is, you know, a hotbed of um, (laughs) women's activism, um, basically because the Me Too movement has uncovered the scale of the problem. So I think this idea now that you can revisit history and what has gone before and retell it through a female lens is something that people are only just beginning to clock and are uh, beginning to realize that there is a a whole other side to the story, as it were. I'm going to call out the New York Times, actually, because they did a similar project to us for March um, uh, called Overlooked, where they went back into their archive and discovered that their obituaries hardly ever covered women, women. that there were some very notable and famous and well-regarded women who, at the time of their death, the New York Times did not see fit to write an obituary about. So they launched um, a campaign called Overlooked, which goes back and seeks to redress that and rewrites these obituaries. So, you know, a kind of a similar thing to to the one that we're doing. Um, And great as well. And I think it's that thing that, you know, it's brave of a media brand to own its mistakes or to mm-hmm. own its prejudice, to own its bias. Um, and the New York Times has done that. And, you know, history has done that. The History Channel in the US is a predominantly male channel. Mm-hmm. They have very little programming about women from history. I mean, Amelia Earhart and Bodicea are about it. And when I kind of approached the idea of running this series on the channel, everyone was like, oh, you know, it won't rate. Nobody wants to watch women's history. We shouldn't do this. Um, And then, you know, took a beat and were like, actually, we should do this. It's really good for the brand and we haven't done it before and we should be doing it. And guess what? It is rating. Yeah, that's so interesting. And how how about audience response? Because if it's across all all of the channels, are there are there some channels where you know the viewership has been surprising, or it's, there's been more of an audience response than you might have expected? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a you know it's an obvious piece of programming for the Lifetime channels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's their that's their wheelhouse, and that's what they do. Um, but I think for history, it's been the biggest surprise. Um, and um, I hope that it opens the door for us to do more of this. I mean, we will certainly be doing it again next year, but to say that we only visit women's history one month in 12 uh, isn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, so, and actually, you know, the, the programmers at the channel are doing their best to address these the issues of diversity that we all face now. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think, you know, it's it's wonderful to watch kind of change happening. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, and I think lots of brands look at this and think, God, if we if we open the can of worms, what do we do next? And, you know, a lot of the brand conversations we're having are along those lines because in truth, you can't just open the can of worms and expect to go back to how things were. So um, I can see it's an interesting challenge. In, in your experience between the UK and the US, obviously you've been in the US now for um, a year or so, how do you think there are, do you, do you sort of see any differences in um, female-focused storytelling or any particular differences in the way you think female content is interpreted or accepted? I think it's be it's much more militant out here, dare I say. Um, you know, women are lit, to use an American piece of flag. Um, you know, the marches have been a huge galvanising force um and 
with the current political environment, people feel very emotional. They feel angry. They feel compelled to do something. Uh, they feel as if they want to go the extra mile to bring about the change that's needed. And, you know, one very small aspect of that is, well, this is not small or insignificant at all, but there, this year there are 580 women running for public office, which right. is completely record-breaking. Um, it's the, America has its midterm elections in November, which is the, you know, kind of one moment every four years it has to redress its political balance. And to have 580 women running for public office in those elections is phenomenal. Um, so that's, you know, an example of it. It feels like, you know, people have reached the limit of what they are able to bear and now they just want everything to change. Yeah, it's super exciting. What do you think about um, the role that this particular piece of content has to play as a statement of the values of where A&E Networks is as a brand? You know, what, what, what impact do you feel it's having within the business? Well, women in entertainment is a hot topic right now because uh, of the, well, I suppose what kicked it all off was the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Um, and actually the, the, the birth of history, her story, was in the aftermath of that scandal. Um, my co-editor-in-chief, Leah Goldman, who looks after the Lifetime channels, and I were kind of discussing the revelations that were coming out in the media uh, about Harvey Weinstein um, and you could see this sort of edifice beginning to crumble and we were talking to you know amongst ourselves what can we do how can we you know how can we personally and our brands um, help you know speed up this change and that this was how we came up with her story but Harvey Weinstein had worked on several shows with A&E Networks one of them was Project Runway very successful um, cable franchise um, and Nancy DeBook, who was our CEO at the time, you know, she, um, you know, she had to, she basically had to sever ties with the Weinstein Company. Um, and um, she used the opportunity actually to um, kind of forward the kind of the manifesto about female leadership in entertainment because there is relatively little. She's one of the very few CEOs of entertainment companies who is a woman. Um, she's actually literally last week just got a new job. She's heading up Vice. So Shane Smith is, setting aside, is stepping aside and she's taking over Vice. And read into that what you will, because Vice has got its own diversity issues. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, the entertainment industry post-Weinstein has had to take a long, hard look at itself. Um, and I particularly like the uh, Time's Up campaign, which uh, instead of focusing on themselves, as entertainers quite often do, uh, they've started a fund where supporting women in all sorts of industries um, at whatever level of economic advancement to help, you know, help them redress balance around um, inequality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so great, isn't it? You think about all of the different areas of, of entertainment where arguably some of the, the simpler jobs are actually much um, unpaid as well, actually. So there's, uh, there's lots to do, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is lots to do. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is the pay disparity. Mm. Um, and there are some enlightened companies. Um, I'm, I'm not going to call them out because I can't, I, I'm not sure if, I've got the right information, but there are some enlightened companies out here who this April are going to reveal their kind of pay structure and become transparent on pay, um, which is a it's absolutely the right thing to do and the direction that we need to move in if we're ever going to address pay inequality. 
Um, but then, you know, it's, it's a simple economic argument is that if you want the best talent, you know, half of that talent is going to be women. And if you can, as a company, stand up and say, we pay our men and women equally, then you're going to attract that talent. Um, and the more people that do that, the more they will shame the ones that don't do it. And then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have to fall in line eventually. So that, you know, that is, if you're a company or a corporation, that's a very simple, but it's a very straightforward thing for you to do, which is become transparent about pay and make sure that your, your, your pay is equal. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because with so many brands throwing their hat into the ring around female empowerment, there really is a sense of, you know, get your housekeeping in order before you even start communicating to an external audience. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if the McDonald's Ferrari hit you in the UK, but for um, International Women's Day, McDonald's turned its M upside down to a yeah. W. And it didn't go down that well <laughs> because it just felt like they were jumping on a bandwagon. Oh yeah, we're for women. Look, you know, M turns into a W, but that doesn't. That is not constructive. What would be constructive would be them, you know, initiating equal pay in their company, yeah. or you know, doing you know other things that are more constructive. So I think the lesson for brand companies is, you know, what are you actually doing? Uh, what's your authority and your authenticity in this arena for you to be able to be part of this conversation? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, actually coming back to the, you know, the content that you guys have been creating, how have you, what sort of advertising response have you had? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> have they been supportive? Could you expect well, I, you know, it's, it's, we, we did it very quickly uh, and we had to get into the market very quickly. But actually, hot off the press, um, a car brand has asked if they can sponsor the remaining half of the month. Um, so we're just finalizing that deal now, which is really good. I mean, I think I, the brands, big brands move slowly and you need a, a big budget to sponsor content that's going on um, all of our channels and reaching the massive audiences that A&E has. Um, so kind of fair enough, but you know, this will give us a good run up for the campaign next year. Um, you know, and there is a lot of, um, goodwill and good feeling around it. So any brand that attaches themselves to it and wants to become properly involved with it on a content level, um, you know, it'd be great because we can, you know, integrate them early on and, you know, do, do things for them too. Any brand that was thinking about getting involved, I would absolutely urge them to do it, but just to think very carefully about how they can do it in a way that's properly meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, as you were saying earlier, you know, the entertainment industry is having a good, long, hard look at themselves. I think, you know, obviously the the advertising and communications and marketing industry, it needs to do the same thing as well. But I guess at this point in time where, you know, gender equality is so at the top of everyone's agenda, there really is an opportunity to use their marketing dollars to make change, it really, really is, but it has to be done in the right way because it will shoot you in the foot otherwise. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really like about History Her Story is that there's a massive educational component that goes with it, um, which allows us to influence the way children are being educated around history right now. Um, and that, you know, to, to be able to tell the stories of women in history to children means that you are, you know, you're starting from, you know, the bottom up, which means that the, you know, the progress and the legacy of that will be very solid, you know, when those children enter the workplace. As the guardian, essentially, of the A&E Networks brand, what would you say the biggest learning has been from his story, her story content series? Because, you know, you you guys, have, from a per brand perspective, have been through the process that every brand wants to do, but 
but doesn't necessarily have the balls to do because it's too scary. Yeah. They're not sure what they're going to do next. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good question because actually I'm an editor in chief at A&E Networks and I look after history, biography um, and A&E brands. And one of the questions I get all the time is, what does an editor in chief do? Um, and essentially what we do is we are guardians of the brand voice um, and we are part of the process which is you know kind of um, evolving how people think about the brand and regard the brand and for both myself and Leah Goldman actually at Lifetime this has been a really transformative project because um, you know, it's been a piece of culturally ascendant um, content, which means people have been talking about it. It's been covered in the media. Um, and now, you know, when people think of history and they think of lifetime, they also think of women's history as well, which is not, you know, something that they would have attached to those brands before in this particular moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just to wrap up, what's next for a &E Networks in this space? Well, what do you, I know you talked a little bit about um, the legacy piece, but have you got any sort of things in the pipeline that you can talk about? Yeah, really exciting, actually. Um, so... We decided that we'd have a look at monuments, historic monuments in America. And naturally, there are very, very few of the historic monuments in America that are dedicated to women. Um, so we are going to start a campaign around um, elevating um, monuments to women um, and also restoring the few that um, have kind of fallen by the wayside. And actually, next week, we're going down to Washington. There's a statue of Joan of Arc in Meridian Park that had its sword um, stolen. So we have restored Joan's sword. <laughs> <laughs> um, with a whole bunch of the local school kids as well. So that's really great. So we get the opportunity to tell them the story of Joan of Arc. And it's a great story right now. She was a teenager. You know, she was part of the resistance. And there's an awful lot of, you know, school children who would align themselves with the resistance right now for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and she she was, you know, the, the lesson of her life was that, you know, she gave up everything for what she believed in, um, which, you know, is a phenomenal and heroic story. So we get the opportunity to tell that story, um, to commemorate the statue and um, to make sure that we preserve it for future generations. Oh, that, I think that's absolutely amazing and really admirable and probably quite a good place to uh, finish up our interview. Tiff, thank you so much for coming on and being a superhuman woman. You are truly a superhuman woman. Oh, I love that. <laughs> thank you.